0: hi and welcome to the radius church podcast thank you so much for joining us today if you're interested in finding out more information about radius church please check us out on our website radiuschurch.tv I don't know how many of you are into the superhero movies. They're, I mean, they're still coming out. In fact, there's more superheroes now than I ever remembered there ever being. I I, I think Hollywood's making up superheroes just so they can make movies. Would anybody agree? And and, and I can't really, uh, I, I was never really into the superhero movies too much. Um, I, I think it's just because I couldn't relate to the superheroes. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, Like, I grew up with the original, the OG Superman. M- remember him, you guys? The black and white version, Superman. Remember him? Yeah. Faster than a speeding bullet. You guys remember? I mean, every Saturday, it's like, oh, I got to watch Superman. You younger folks don't have a clue. All right. So anyway, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings, right? Remember this? And a single, ba- look, you guys finished it out. Okay, come on up, preach the message then. All right, so, and, and, and I just couldn't, re- you know, I can't relate to faster than a speeding bullet. You know, I'm as fast as a, an old guy with broken knees. I mean, that's all I got. Able to leap tall buildings. I, I don't even think I can leap anymore. So, you know, I just, I don't relate to the superheroes, but there's one superhero that's my favorite, and I relate to him, and it's Iron Man. Because Iron Man doesn't come from some other planet with all these crazy powers. He's just this ordinary everyday guy that builds a suit of armor and it makes this ordinary guy extraordinary because of the armor that he has. Come on, where's my Bible scholars? You know where we're going with this, right? See, I view myself as just an ordinary guy, but God provides for me armor that helps me to be extraordinary or, I'd say it another way, more powerful than I really am in my natural flesh. Amen, everybody? And that's what Paul is dealing with as he gets to the end of his letter that he wrote to the church of Ephesus. Let's dive in to the second part of Ephesians 6. We're on 13 in case you're taking notes. Here we are, Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 10. I love this verse. Finally. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) That's what some of you say at the end of every sermon. Finally, all right? So he says, finally. He says, be strong. And, 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 and whenever you see be something in Scripture, God never commands us to do something that he does not equip us to be able to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when he says be strong, then he provides what we need in order to fulfill the command that he gave. Isn't that good? Husbands, love your wives. Oh, are you still amening? And he gives us the things we need in order to do that. Be strong in the Lord and in, there's that theme that he started with in chapter number one, in Jesus, in the Lord, in the Father. All spiritual blessings come when we're in Jesus, not necessarily in church, because how many know you can be in church and not be in Jesus? How many has ever seen somebody in church not be in Jesus? How many know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And so there's that theme again, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I I love love how he starts off with finally. You know he's coming to the end of his letter and he says finally. After, finally, it's the conclusion. After all the talk of our benefits and, and after all the talk of our inheritance and all the talk of our position and all the talk of the things we should do and all the talk of the practices that we should put in place, After all the writing about God's responsibility to us and then our turnaround and our responsibility back to Him, Paul concludes by saying, and finally, remember you're in a fight. Mm -hmm. Remember, this thing is not a sorority, it's a fight. Remember, I just want everybody to remember, this is not a Boy Scout club, this is not a Girl Scout club, this is not just any other extracurricular activity. This spiritual walk that you're in, there's going to be some fighting in this spiritual walk. Oh, oh! and by the way, the reason there's going to be a fight is because there is a real enemy, and he has a job, and he's out to rob, kill, and destroy. Don't lose sight of the fact that this thing, you're not going to get out of it without some bumps and bruises. Come on, how many already know? How many got some bumps and bruises to testify about, right, right? And then I like what he says right here, and this is important, and I want to say this as cautiously as I can because I don't want to necessarily criticize uh, all Christians, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement with real broad strokes here. But he says, he says finally, and then he says, be strong. And one of my fears as a pastor is that we're not developing strong Christians. Christians that know how to stand when all hell is breaking loose. Christians that if they don't know how to get a hold of the pastor or if they can't even find a friend at the moment, that they've done enough to be able to be strong. And, and, and my greatest fear as a pastor is that we have Christians and we, we have a Christian generation that doesn't necessarily always know how to be strong. How many of you grew up and you watched some of the mamas of the church and that was some strong Christians, right? I mean, you could bring up anything and they would bring you to an old worn-out Bible that's been underlined a hundred times over and they would give you a verse to hang on to. Anybody remember these days, right? Uh, um, and, and, And maybe the fault is, I'm not blaming Christians, maybe the fault is the churches. Our messages have changed a little bit. And maybe churches haven't done a good job teaching Christians how to fight and how to be strong. And that's what Paul's going to deal with here. And, and, and I'm afraid we've spent so much time in modern Christianity talking about all the blessings we get that we fail to help people understand that behind every blessing there is a battle. Yeah. Are you guys here? You don't want to hear about battling, do you? And, and, and so maybe, maybe we haven't taught Christians how to fight. Now, hold on. I didn't say we don't fight. <laughs> oh, we fight. <laughs> we definitely fight. The problem is, is that when we don't understand what our fight is, we'll fight about anything, anywhere, and anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I like it. It says, finally, be strong. And then he says that word again, in the Lord. Remember, all of our blessing, all of our strength, all of our power, how many know it comes by being, come on with me, in the Lord, right? And and that's why I think he says in Ephesians 4, if I could reflect back for a moment, he says, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth. Paul is serious. He, He don't want us to be tossed back and forth every time there's a storm, every time there's a pandemic, every time there's a layoff, every time there's an argument, every time there's a political vote. Come on now. He don't want us to be thrown around every time there's a storm because how many have been living long enough to recognize there's always a storm? There's always a storm. Being in him is our strength. And being in him then includes things like being in the church and being in the Bible. And being in prayer. Come on, everybody, right? I I said it's vacation Sunday. That's for those that aren't here. You're here. Tell yourself you're here today, all right? Uh, Amen. So let's just break this into some real practical terms. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what we fight. I think that's important. Because if we don't know what we fight, we'll fight anything. And we'll waste a lot of energy putting out a lot of brush fires that don't need our attention. And I want to talk about uh, who we fight, and then I want to talk lastly about how we fight. And so that after you've heard today's letter that Paul writes, we are ready for the attacks of the enemy. So what do we fight? Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right there. Paul is telling us what we fight. We fight a real devil that has a real scheme, and he has a scheme against your life. And he knows your strengths, and he knows your weaknesses. And how many of you know he's going to attack your weakness, right? And, and the word scheme here is interesting. He says we're fighting against the devil's schemes. Well, the devil's schemes, or the word schemes, it means strategies, I want you to understand that there is a real devil, and he's really against God's plan in your life. And so just as God has a plan and purpose for your life, there's a real devil that has a plan and purpose for your life also. But, but before that worries you too much, this is not like a superhero versus a villain kind of thing. This is not like on the edge of my seat, oh, who's going to win? Is the devil going to win or is God going to win? No, this is the master of the universe. Come on, everybody. This is the king of kings and the lord of lords against the devil. How many know who wins? Right, everyone? But that does not mean that there's still not a strategy. He's planning against you. And, um, and, and I want you to remember something Aaron said, because Aaron dove in when he was here in chapter number 6, and he said something powerful. I jotted it down. Uh, Aaron said, uh, uh, when he cannot lay a hand on you, speaking of the devil, That the devil, he can't lay a hand on you. You're God's children. And so he can't touch you. He can't put a hand on you. So what he does, because he can't put a hand on you, he will tell you lies and get you to believe those lies. And when you start believing those lies, he doesn't need to put a hand on you because you will beat yourself up for the lies that we believe. Mm -hmm. Come on. And, and I have found, I want to add a layer to that statement, I have found that the enemy really is pretty simple. I mean, he's been doing the same things forever. And I think one of the ways he beats up on us is he does this in two ways. I think he does it through temptation and he does it through accusation. Let's look at a couple things. James chapter number 1, verse number 14, and here's what it says. It says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Leave that verse up there for a minute. So we're each pulled away. It's almost like the devil has a hook in all of us. If we haven't totally surrendered to God, if we have that secret sin, if we have that area of our life that we haven't talked to, that we haven't confessed, that we haven't repented, then that's the area that the enemy is fishing after, and he has a hook in us. That's why uh, when Jesus came on the scene, uh, I think Luke chapter number 4, and he went out to the desert, and he was tempted by the devil, but he didn't fail. The Bible concludes that story by saying, because the devil didn't have anything in him. There there was nothing for the devil to hook onto in Jesus. Come on now. And and so watch this. But each person is tempted. How many know my temptation might be different than your temptation? Some people don't like chocolate cake. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you guys with me today? Yeah. And, And so, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away. You've probably heard me preach this verse by their own evil desires. Not just evil in general. But, but your own personalized evil desires, your, your own. You, you know, we have some of those evil desires that we've personalized. I know you can't confess it in church, but we put our name on those things. And, it, and it's not our own evil desires. The original text says our own wicked desires. Wicked is where we get the word wicker. And if you know anything about wicker, wicker is things that have been twisted together. And because they're twisted, it gives them strength. Mm. And and the way that our desires get wicked or evil is because something happens to us or by our choice or by somebody else's choice that creates appetites or strongholds in our minds. And so now when the devil comes after you, he's coming after the wrong appetite. He's coming after the wrong thinking. He's coming after that broken piece in you, that twisted thinking that twisted appetite in us and drags us away by that i know none of you have this but how many know somebody that does yeah, okay. And, and so, um, Revelation, so he does these things through temptation and he does it through accusation. Revelation 12, 10, it says this, For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. How many know the enemy, how many have been serving God long enough to know that the accusations hurled against you never end? Hmm? Hmm? doesn't mean we fall to them, but they never end. Am I right about this? Are you guys here today? He's always telling you you're not good enough. And if he's not doing that, then he's telling you you're too good. So we either have pride or we have, uh, uh, we have defeatism, victim mindsets. And, and so in temptations, he gets you to have too high of a view of yourself so that you do things you shouldn't. So in temptations, he gets you to think too high of yourself. Oh, I can do that, and I'll be all right. Oh, oh I, can, I, I can, and you can fill in the blank. And so we have too high of a view of ourself, and, and so we do things we shouldn't. In accusations, he gets you to think too low of yourself so that you do things that you shouldn't. Temptations, I think, ooh, too high of myself. Oh, I can do that thing. Accusations, I think too low of myself. How many know either one of those is wrong? Let me put it on the screen for you. Temptation, here's what happens. When he's tempting you, Satan hides God's holiness and how much he hates sin, and he he plays up his love. This is how he tempts you. Satan hides God's holiness. Satan Satan hides how much God hates sin. He, and he plays up his love. He plays up his grace. He plays up his mercy. Oh, God will understand. Come on, we live in 2023. God understands. God didn't mean that. That was written thousands of years ago. That's how he tempts. But in accusations, watch this, it's the opposite. Satan hides God's love. Satan hides God's grace and plays up his holiness. He's a holy God and his wrath on sin. How many can see this even in your own life, right? Okay, so, so that's, uh, that's what we're fighting against is the temptations and the accusations. Those are the strategies of the enemy, all right? And, and how many know he's always talking? And guess what side of us grows? The evil side or the good side? Whatever side we give more ear to. That's why church is important. Come on, everybody. That's why Bible reading is important. Is this like too old-fashioned for you today? That's why coming into Sunday night prayer meeting is important. I know you don't want to say amen to that because that might commit you. All right, so here we go. Number two, the second thing is I want you to understand who we fight. So what we fight is his schemes, temptations and accusations. But, but who we fight, Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12. This is important. For our struggle is not against Fred and Mary. Yeah, that's, that's important to remember. Although Fred and Mary can be used by the enemy. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know sometimes you think the devil's name is Fred? How many know what I'm saying, right? Okay. Or any other name that you put in there. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world. Mm -hmm. And against the spiritual forces. People all the time say, oh, the world's getting worse and worse. Well, of course it is. It's a dark world, and the prince of this world is the devil. And it's a dark world. And darkness doesn't get lighter and better. Darkness gets darker and worse. Come on, everybody. And by the way, the Bible told us these things would happen. Yeah. And against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, let me give you some things that he's not saying. He's not saying that we never fight actual flesh and blood. That would be silly for me to get up here and say that because there's been wars. Many of you have gone and fought physical flesh and blood wars. There, there's arguments and in, in, in wars with real people and fights with real people. Um, but, but that evil, it can take on flesh and blood. It can take on governments and rulers and kings, and it can, it can take that on. And, and matter of fact, remember this, when Paul's writing this letter, he's just been beaten by, he wasn't beaten by a devil, he was beaten by flesh and blood. He was thrown in jail by flesh and blood, right? But when we wrestle with flesh and blood, we've got to remember as followers of Christ, that's not the real cul- culprit, the real culprit is that there is a real enemy with a real strategy, and he will use people, come on, to be our demise if he needs to. And it's important we understand this because uh, because we want to believe there's, there is a reason for evil. Have, have you noticed in, in our world there's always a label for it, there's a medication for it, and we want to believe there's a reason for evil that is natural and that it's in flesh and blood, and we believe everything has a, if we believe that, then everything has a, natural cause, and, and, and everything has a scientific explanation, and therefore everything should be able to be explained or logicked out. But how many of you have lived long enough to know that some things, some battles aren't even your battles, they're daddy's battles. They're spiritual battles. They've been going on for generation after generation. Come on, can I get any help in this house today, Right? And, and and in fact, let me just go off here on this subject real quick. Mark chapter number five, you can read it later. It's not on the screen. In Mark chapter number five, Jesus shows up on the scene. I think it's at Lake Gneros And and Jesus shows up, and there's a demon-possessed man, and, and the demon in this man is called Legion. And, and Jesus casts this devil out of the demon or, or out of the man, and the demon speaks to Jesus. I know this is getting spooky, but check this out because I want to prove my point here. The devil literally says to Jesus, as he's coming out of the man, he says, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this part, I'm coming out of the guy. But then the scripture records, the, the demon says, don't make us leave this area. The King James Version says it this way, don't make us leave this region. Now, if you don't understand the importance of that, let me, let me try to enlighten What happens is the devil will get a foothold in an area, in a generation, in a people, in a race, in a geography, and that devil has worked really hard to get a foothold in that family lineage... And and that devil might come out and leave you alone, but that devil still is hoping that he can mess with your kids. Come on. Or your grandkids. Come on everybody. You might come to church and get saved, but then you got to work hard to keep the door closed. Come on, because the devils are begging, don't make us leave this region. Yeah, we'll skip a generation if we have to, but we want to keep the whole legacy in poverty. We want to keep the whole legacy in a victim mindset. We want to keep the whole legacy alcoholics. We want Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And so the devils are fighting not to leave you alone. They're fighting because somewhere down along the way, it might have been daddy, it might have been great-granddaddy, it might have been great-great-granddaddy, but somewhere that devil worked to get a stronghold into your family name. And how dare you sit up here in church today And so now, how you raise your kids is extremely important that you got to keep those doors closed, everybody, because there is a devil that is scheming not just towards you, but the next generation. Come on now. Yeah. See, See, a devil will gain a stronghold in families. We call that a generational curse. I've shared this before. Patty and I, we don't drink alcohol, not because we think we'll go to hell if we drink alcohol, not because it's against our religion, not because any of those spiritual beliefs. We don't drink alcohol because I had an alcoholic father, I had an alcoholic grandfather, I have a little bit of an all-or-nothing personality. Can't you guys tell? So I've never wanted my kids to see it in the refrigerator because the devil's working hard not to leave this area. Come on now. Let me show it to you in another way. He'll, if you study this out, you don't even have to be spiritual to study this out. You can study out races of people, and races of people struggle with certain things. Races of people, different, different races, they, they, they have different drugs of choice. They even have different alcohol of choice. They they even have different sins of choice. Uh, Even geographical areas. Come on, everybody. You don't even need to know the Bible. You know, just look at America. All across America, there are geographical places that the enemy has gained a stronghold and don't want to give up. That's why certain street corners sell drugs. Certain street corners sell ladies. And certain street corners have churches on them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, so we can't just explain everything away as logical. No, there is a devil that is scheming everybody. These things are not natural, and they cannot be explained scientifically because they are spiritual, and they happen in spiritual realms. That's why we got to take our spiritual walk serious. Can I at least get an amen on that? Yeah. Now. I know, you needed a joke today. I don't have any. We're fighting today, all right? (laughs) I always think that if me and Patty get in an argument, if I could just come up with a joke in the middle of the argument, everything would be better. How many of you, you just can't come up with a joke in the middle of an argument. That part of your brain is just shut down. How many know what I'm saying, right? Okay, here we go. Let's talk about number three. The last thing I want to discuss is how we fight. Because if we don't know how we fight, we, 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 we'll be like a drowning swimmer that's trying to be rescued, and we'll beat up the very people. Mm. Oh, man. I can't say that. I can't say that. Okay, here we go. How we fight. Let's look at it. Verse number 13. Verse number 13. Here we go. Therefore, this is, uh, if you've been around church, this is the famous portion of scripture matter of fact this was probably the second message I ever preached in my life was on the armor of God but I want to I want to preach it from a different angle because I spent all my time talking about what the real armor looked like and nobody cares (laughs) it doesn't matter because we're not walking around in that stuff right everyone okay but let's see how we can apply it to our lives so therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes notice it says when the day it doesn't say if the day It says, when the day, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. Isn't that great about God? He says, be strong. Now let me give you what you need to be strong. Mm -hmm. That you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, then stand firm then with the, and he begins to list the armor of God. I'm going to read it all now. We'll we'll pick them apart. Uh, With the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in its place. Ooh, I love that. Um, uh, Go to my next verse. Uh, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from, notice this phrase because I'm going to bring it out, the gospel of peace. So what causes us to stand is that our feet are tied tight in the gospel of peace. Mm, I'm going to talk about that. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, Because with it, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It says you can extinguish some of them. No, it says you can extinguish all of them. Mm -hmm. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. For me, that's been perhaps one of the most important pieces of armor in my life. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then we'll close with verse number 18 but let's let, let's dive into these first of all he says put on the belt of truth now I'm not going to give you ancient pictures of what that looks like you can google it but the belt of truth was meant to protect protect the what uh, was protecting the reproductive area all right and uh, and and so it's the notice something that it's the belt of truth that reproduces Uh, that protects the reproductive area of our life that's very important as we're trying to figure out what does that mean for us how do we apply that our enemy first of all is the father of lies so he's always attacking and and he wants you to reproduce not the truth he wants you to reproduce a lie none of us ever stay up all night worrying about the truth Right. I mean, nobody woke up at two o'clock this morning and go, "Wow, I'm going to heaven. That is awesome. I just can't stop thinking about the fact I'm going to heaven. I just can't stop thinking about how much God loves me. I just can't thinking about. I just can't stop. Man, I'm just tossing and turning all night thinking about how I'm more than a conqueror. I'm the head and not the tail. Where I'm at is not where I have to stay. None of us wake up and sweat about those things. Am I right? We wake up and we rehearse. What do we rehearse? We rehearse things that we shouldn't be reproducing. And it goes over and over and over and over in our mind. And now we've given birth. Now we've given birth to twins. Now we got a whole house full of this stuff, right? It's all over the place. And, and our enemy is the father of lies. And what Paul is saying to us here is don't reproduce his lies and don't reinforce them. And by the way, why in the world would we, would we believe in a lie more than we would believe in truth? Because we don't know to believe in the truth if we don't have the truth wrapped around our reproductive area, what we're spinning out of control on. So, Paul gives us some insight because this is a major issue. Paul gives us some insight furthermore in the book of Philippians, and he tells us what to think about. He doesn't talk about thinking about the problems. He doesn't, talk, he doesn't say think about all those unresolved relationship issues. He doesn't talk about uh, thinking and worrying about the bills that are coming and the kids that are this. He doesn't tell us to think about those things at all. He says put on the belt of truth, and he says finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, think about that. So when your mind's spinning out of control about what's not true, Paul's telling us, put on the belt of truth and think about what is true. What is true is we win in the end. Yeah, but I got this disease. Yeah, I get it. But, but, but God's the healer. Yeah, but God hasn't healed me and maybe I'll die. I know, but heaven is our home. Right? Come on, everyone. And no, no matter what, at the end, the truth prevails. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Hey, he kind of comes across like a surfer dude here, doesn't he? He's like, whatever. (laughs) Whatever, dude, you know, just think about it, whatever. You know, all right? Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, think about these things. Now, earlier in Ephesians, he told us to put on a new mind. So we would have the power to switch gears and think about what's true instead of what is false. Remember Ephesians 4? He said, put on the new mind. Ken, how do I put on a new mind? You put on a new mind through the Word of God. You put on a new mind by coming to a place like this, hearing the truth preached, and that truth comes and rubs up against the lie that you've believed your whole life. Therefore, you get mad because the truth is battling with the lie. Come on now right? So here, here, here's, let me end this one, but don't reproduce. Don't breed. Don't breed worry. Don't breed uh, fear. Don't breed non-truths. Don't, uh, that kind of just cancels out Facebook, doesn't it, everybody? Mm-hmm. But, but he says, produce truth. Produce what God says about you. Don't produce what the devil says about you. Don't produce what your abusive parents said about you. Don't produce what somebody said about you. Reproduce what God says about you. And God says we're the head and never the tail. We're the top and never the bottom. And in all things, we are more than conquerors. And where we're at is not where we have to stay. Reproduce that in our minds. Come on now. Let me give you this weird verse. There's this weird verse in Levitical law in the book of Leviticus. I didn't want to put it on the screen because it's really awkward. But there's this really weird, obscure verse in Levitical law where the Bible says something really weird and strange. I'm going to give it to you. It talks about when a husband and wife get in a fight, the Bible says that the wife shouldn't kick him in the private places. See, if you would read your Bible, there's some crazy stuff in there. And all the men said, amen to that, brother. You know, I mean, but it says this. In Levitical law, in the book of Leviticus, see, I'll get you to read your Bible one way or another. It says, when you're arguing, don't kick him in the private places. Thank you, Jesus. Which really means, watch this, it means that she shouldn't take advantage of his weak areas. Watch this now. Let me connect it. We all have weak areas. We all have weak areas, male and females. We all have weak areas. Therefore, put on the belt of truth around the weak area of our lives so that we are not destroyed. Or, let me say it another way, the devil is always kicking at the weak area, so we need the belt of truth. Come on, are you guys hearing that today? Come on now. Number two, the second piece of armor is not only the belt of truth, but number two is the breastplate of righteousness. And uh, the breastplate of righteousness, it was there to protect uh, the heart, the lungs, and the vital organs. Um, Now, it's the breastplate of righteousness. What protects our life more than anything is knowing that we are in right standing with God the breastplate of righteousness. I'm in right standing with God and therefore that's what righteousness means. I got that verse. It just means I'm in right standing with God. That's what protects our life, our spiritual man, is knowing that I don't have to be perfect, but he, remember in chapter 1, we receive righteousness. Come on Ephesians 1. We receive righteousness as one of the spiritual benefits of being in Christ, so now I have a breastplate of righteousness that keeps me alive in Christ. In other words, it's not by what I do, but it's by what he has done. Acts 17 says it this way, In him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our very being. Uh, Jake's going to preach this coming up, as some of your own poets have said. I can't touch that. I'm not as smart as him. All right, so, But I'm just dealing with the first part. For in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. In him we live, that's our heart. In him we move, that's our lungs. And all together we have our being in him. So stand in his righteousness, and you're in him. Number three, the third piece of armor is the shoes. And, and if, if you remember, I called that out. I said our shoes are fit with the gospel of peace. Now, the Roman soldiers had shoes with spikes in them, and they laced up their shins, um, the, the, the laces laced up their shins, and and because they had to withstand combat so that they wouldn't slip or be pushed down, their feet had spikes, or what we would call today cleats. Um, and, and And so this is very interesting, because... If we try to stand in anything other than the gospel of peace, we won't have spikes and we will slip. Let me show it to you real practical, all right? It says, stand. um, and, and, And he says, stand in the gospel of peace. Well, what is the gospel of peace? The gospel of peace is gospel is good news. Why is it good news? Because the new covenant is a message of grace Therefore, it's not what I've done, it's what he's done. So if you try to stand in what you've done, you'll be slipping and sliding all day long. But if you can stand in the grace of what he's done, come on, it doesn't matter if you messed up yesterday because the devil now has no accusation to cause you to slip. You can still stand firm in the fact that, yes, I messed up, but I'm still a child of God because there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, everybody, right? You have, to, you have to stand in your unmerited favor. Unmeri- that's what grace means, unmerited favor, which means I didn't earn it by coming to church today. I still get as much grace by coming to church as I get when I mess up. Matter of fact, I might need more grace when I mess up. We don't fall out of grace. We fall into grace. Grace. Come on, everybody. So stand in the fact that it is not by your works. And if you try to stand on your own works, you will slip and fall all the time. Grace is the spikes that keep us planted in Christ Jesus. And we want to stay in Christ Jesus because all spiritual blessings come when we're in Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed the enemy always trying to push you away from them? I messed up. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't go to church. I shouldn't pray. I shouldn't worship. No. Stand with your feet shod in the gospel of peace. Come on, are you guys alive today? <laughs> Number four. got to do these ones fast. Number four is the shield of faith. Uh, one of the most dangerous weapons in ancient warfare was fiery arrows. <laughs> that sounds scary, doesn't it? And, and the shield that they would carry was usually a four-by-two uh, uh, shield. But, but watch this. Faith is what shields us. Faith in God. Because there's going to be a lot of evidence, and there's going to be a lot of arguments. Come on, how many Christians have ever heard the devil say to you, he doesn't care about you? Would you raise your hand? Okay, two of you. Let me keep going then, all right? How many of you have ever said, you heard the devil say, you're not good enough? How many of you have ever felt condemned? Keep your hand up. I want to get everybody in the room because I want to expose the liars, all right? Okay. So, so the, what that means? Why, when the world is arguing, there's really not a God. If there was a God, He would have answered that prayer. If there was a God, He would have. If there was a God, He would have healed my mom. If there was a God, I wouldn't have. And if there was a God, no, no, the shield of faith it fights against all those things because it it decides I'm going to have a biblical worldview and I'm going to trust Him even though I don't trace Him and I'm going to believe that His ways are higher than my ways. And faith is what enables me to fight all those fire darts of doubt that are coming my way. I choose to believe. I don't have to see to believe. I choose to believe that God is for me, and he is not against me. Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is, is being certain of what we hope for. You're hoping for something. You don't see it yet, but you're hoping. You're hoping for a better marriage. You're hoping for godly kids. You're hoping that we can open a church. You're hoping for something. Faith, then, is the thing that purchases the thing you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like money purchases what you need in the physical world, faith purchases what you need in the spiritual world. It's not there yet, but I'm believing by faith that God's going to help me get there. God's going to help me get my emotions together. God's going to help me get my marriage together. Faith purchases those things. And by the way, if you don't have enough faith, faith comes by hearing. And so the church is the faith bank. We are the ATM, beep, beep, give me some more faith. It is. Okay, all right. You're being way too serious for me today, all right? Why? It is because faith comes by hearing. That's why you need to pick a church, come on, that is preaching the Word of God. Because Romans 10 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the message. Hearing what? The gospel of Jesus. And the message is heard through the Word about Jesus. So you need to pick a place to attend so that you can hear the message of grace and the message of Jesus so that your faith is built up, not torn down. Come on. The church is the faith bank. Get here and hear the Word of God. Amen, everybody. Come on. Haven't you ever showed up to church and you feel stronger when you leave than when you, before you came? Please say yes, somebody, or I resign. I mean, like, there's times I've come to church and I've heard a message, and it wasn't about the guy on the platform. It was about the Word that built my faith. Now I feel like, man, I'm going to invade hell with a water pistol, dude. I'm on fire, right? My faith is up there, right? come on, how many know what I'm saying, right? And and watch this. I love that Aaron brought this out when he was here. Sometimes it's not the preaching that you hear from another man's voice or another woman's voice. Sometimes your ears need to hear your mouth preaching the message of Jesus. Sometimes your ears need to hear you say, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the top and not the bottom. In all things, I am more than a conqueror. Luke chapter number 10 says, I have power over all the powers of darkness. Sometimes you need to be willing to be wrapped up in a straight jacket and walk around and talk to yourself the things of God. Amen, everybody? Come on now. Yeah. There is no condemnation. One of the biggest things Christians deal with is condemnation. That means you're not in grace. You're in works. There is no condemnation. i gotta, I got to end this up. Number five number five is the helmet of salvation. This one for me was probably the biggest breakthrough, is, and it protects the head. Or let me say it another way, it protects your thought life. Because none of us accidentally sin. I mean, we might accidentally sin, but we thought about it first. You know, it's not like you were just walking down the road one day and just doing your thing, and all of a sudden, oh, wow, I woke up in a strange woman's bed. How'd that happen? No, you thought about it. You entertained the thought. It, it started in your brain. All the battles, they start in the brain. That's why we need the helmet of salvation. Um, and, and some of us, <clears throat> we've been saved, but we haven't put on the helmet of salvation. Because some of us, the good news is we're going to heaven, but we still have wrong thinking. We still have victim mindsets. We still have woe is me. We still have the wrong view of sex. We still have the wrong view of money. We still have the wrong view of a lot of things. Remember, James says we're each pulled away by our own twisted thought lives, twisted appetites right? So that's what we're pulled away by. Second Corinthians 10.5, I don't have time to go into it, but we demolish arguments in every pretending thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So everything that is contrary to what God's word says, it's a pretense. It's a lie. It's an argument. So we tear that down. How do we tear those things down? By renewing our mind. Ephesians 4, give it to me real quick. We, di- we did this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Watch this, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. How do we tear down strongholds? We put on the helmet of salvation and we renew our thinking about things. If we have a victim mindset because of the way you grew up, and now the enemy's always trying to cause you to be a victim, and you're always hurt, and you're always offended, and you're always whatever, and you're always bitter, then you got to change your thinking. The only way, the only thing that's powerful enough for you to change your thinking, come on, is the Word of God, right? Because the Bible says it will not return void, everybody. All right, can you handle one more? I know, I can sense I'm wearing you out today. Let's do the last one. Number six, number six is the sword of the Spirit. And uh, the sword, for those of you that don't know this, is your Bible. It's just the Bible, and sometimes you need the sword. I love the way Aaron said it, and sometimes you just need to hear yourself speak the Word of God. That's why we want you to read the Bible. Not because we're trying to give you something else to do. We want you to hear the Word of God so that your faith is built up, so that you can stand, if you're the only Christian left on the earth, you can stand strong. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want us to be a bunch of weak Christians. I want us to be some strong Christians that can stand no matter what hell and what devil comes against us, everybody, right? Okay, Um and so sometimes you just need to hear yourself say it. Aaron, when he preached here, he, used that, uh, he said, use the right weapon at the right time. So in other words, don't be praying about something when you could be using the sword to fight that thing. The word of God. In fact, God told Joshua one time, stop praying and go out there and fight the battle. Sometimes we need to, I hate to say this because I want you to come tonight. Sometimes the battle is not in prayer. Sometimes it's the word of God that we fight with. And and I had a bunch of people ask me, well, what were the scriptures that Aaron used? Whatever you're dealing with, Google it. Use Google for something good for a change. Uh, Google scriptures on anxiety. Hundreds of them will come up. And and get a half a dozen of them that speak to you. I, I used to do it this way. This is really old school. I know you got modern technology. I used to get index cards and write them out. And every day I'd walk through and I would speak them. For the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. Next. And and I just read them. Because you've got to hear yourself. You've got to use the sword of the Spirit, all right? All right. I, I got to end right there. By the way, on our webpage, there's Bible reading plans. And it's just a click away, and you can just join us and read through the New Testament. Um, I would be wrong to end the book of Ephesians without giving you this last verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 18. He gives all the armor, but maybe the most overlooked piece of armor is verse number 18, because it doesn't look like armor. He says, and pray. Yeah. Do you know prayer is a benefit that we get? And he says, and pray in the Spirit, in other words, God led, and on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. So there's all kinds of ways to pray and, uh, and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's the book of Ephesians, everybody. I'm all done with it, all right? I hope you got something from it.